Don't look under the internet. Welcome Hello. to Don't Look Under the Internet. Don't, why do you all take my intro now? <laughs> you haven't Doug, earned it yet, no, back yet. You gotta do the whole thing now. Mike. Yeah. <laughs> is Baby Gronk the new Drip King? God damn it, we have to get out of the cycle! We gotta, get, just we gotta get out of Someone Ruby. else yelled, hello, we're, we're Duluti. Hello. I'm Duluti. <laughs> this is, this, uh, Welcome over to here is Duluti. Welcome to Don't Look Under the Internet. I, I'm Deludy. <laughs> we're all Deludy, and we're all here, and we're all ready to record. And you're, and we're all, all Deludy. Doug, we're all Doug today. Hi, Doug. I'm so Hi. sorry for you guys. Hi, me. <laughs> and we're all Moot. Hi, Moot. Hi. Hi. Hi, Doug. Hi. Hi, Moot. And we're all Jason. Hi, Jason. Hi. Hi, Jason. <laughs> I think this. I think I, this, this is, is my least favorite. This is intro not okay. We've done. This is this, this is, is not the good. worst intro we've ever done. <laughs> Thank you. We need to like rewind a noise like that. Seriously, and then just redo all of this. Hey guys, welcome to Don't Look Under the Internet. Uh, we're a podcast. Uh, we're also Horror a really tall podcast. Comedy. We're also. Thank you, Mike. Which is ironic because no one here is tall. tall. I was trying to name off all the podcasts we were first. <laughs> Before I said really internet horror, horror comedy, dig, dug, dig. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that. Oh, I'm so happy that didn't make. Doug it was trying to remember long. the other one during last week's episode, and I, there was another one, but I can't remember what it is. Oh, right. For what? Another uh, another podcast. We were wait. Was it really? Were we thinking it was like were we looking up really small things or yeah, it was a really short podcast. <laughs> well, there was really short podcast, but there was another one that we came up with two oh, weeks trees. ago. It was trees or something. Right? Oh, I don't know. it was going to be an offshoot of really tall podcast, but we were looking things up. I know. We I remember looking up. up we were trees. like googling things. I was I like, "What's the no. largest baby or something?" I swear I to God, know. if we if we backed into like an actual show idea just by <laughs> drinking alcohol and being idiots, I'm going to be very happy, but I'm also going to be upset. No, this I mean, was it was just like it was basically the same premise as really tall podcast, but it was like something else notable. Really okay. long podcast. Really, really girthy just, podcast. It's just a really tall podcast turned on its side. <laughs> if you listen to this podcast you, horizontally, you really, get really long podcasts. <laughs> really chode, choded podcast. <laughs> really deludy housekeeping podcast. above your head. Thank you, God, I was about to do this. I have a few things that I want to go over. First and foremost, patreon.com slash pod. You can get shouted out like Tory Blocker. Tory Blocker? Tory Blocker. Boo. Can we... Blocker, I hardly know her. Ah. <laughs> um, ah. But yeah, thank you, Tori. That's really, really swell of you to give us some money. Thank you, thank uh, you. Hey, you. Thank you for money. Um, money there, if you want to money me, uh, you could do Lutee.com <laughs> or Patreon.com slash DeLutiePod. Um, DeLutee.com is kind of our own personal... Like 
offshoot of Patreon. It's like its own separate thing, but you get the same rewards, but it's better on our end, better on your end. You get cooler stuff. Discount like if you buy merch. some shit off, yeah, discounts on merch. If you buy merch, we can record a thank you video and send it to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've probably, some of you have seen Moot, others have seen me, mm-hmm. and it's super fun. So, uh, Dooley.com, become a member there. Hell if yeah. If you're a patron, you can move over if you'd like. That'd be cool too. Yeah. If you're not, go there, you smelly dingus. Leave um, a message, we'll read it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Leave a merch message. Um, speaking of merch, I'm a little. I'm thirsty, boys. <laughs> Ooh, those are sold out right now. Look at that shameless nice. plug. Did you buy all well, of them, Mike? <laughs> some people got them though. They'll yeah. be back. Um, hopefully, it's our Diluti um, the Tumbler. What is this? Tumbler. Tumbler, Tumbler thermos. Yeah. And it says, "What are you drinking? What are you thinking?" There's a bottle here, and it's empty. Yeah. And there's a little Diluti. Glass <laughs> too that has the same graphic on it. You oh, guys can... I, I'm thirsty for water, but I'm oh, thirsty for oh. like a soda pop or something. Oh. I got <laughs> audio listeners gonna be very confused with what's going on right now. But oh, this, oh, these, oh, this little thing, oh, these, my boobies, my massive fucking titties. <laughs> and if we got a, it's God. a pint glass. Yeah, it's a pint glass too. Same, yeah. same texture, same logo. And I gotta say, high quality. It feels nice on the hand. Um, now you guys don't have, have up the there. You guys aren't the shirts that we have home anymore. You can just none buy the us, glass and look at it, and you don't have to say the words. Oh, none of us have the shirt yet. <laughs> <laughs> so don't worry brought, about I it. I should have worn mine. Oh, well. Um, full disclosure, I am wearing a, uh, a what I am going to refer to as a test copy yeah, that yeah. didn't work out so well. Yeah. So Those look better um, now. Those are back. If you bought a Diluti logo t-shirt and it didn't turn out great, some of them did, they're, they've been fixed, and they're back. Hell yeah. yeah. So let us, if yours, you know, is you think not of up to snub, um, <laughs> I would say send us some sort of message with a photo of the shirt yeah. so we can take a peek at it. And then we will, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do our best to send you another one. Um, either we will or fourth wall will someone. Yeah. Well, somehow you're going to get a new shirt. The new one's fine though. We're going to yeah, go ahead and say fourth great. wall will yeah, send you one. fourth wall will have to send you it, I guarantee. I don't have machinery to make t-shirts, so <laughs> I can't. New I ones cannot look do that. fantastic, though. Uh, they're very bright. You, you can read them. Yeah, you can read <laughs> there you them. Go. That's important. <laughs> yeah. That is important. And thus, thus concludes the housekeep. Um, wow. Uh, housekeep. We did get one merch message. Tori Ooh. from Texas bought something and said, dump it on me. Dump it on me, daddy. <laughs> she bought a Creeper Face t-shirt. Thank you. Yeah, very cool. You, you have been dumped, sir. You, we have dumped on you. Man. That I, that okay. felt real. You're officially strange. dumped. <laughs> that, that's better. That's better than what I said. I feel like this whole <laughs> intro, I've been going it's mad. It's fucking madness, man. That's all it is. It's chaos it and madness. Like it's like a <laughs> big old, I'm angry now. Big old mountain of just rage, uh, anger. Oh, I'm so angry! I'm so, I'm so. I I just want to hear land the plane. We're talking about the, we're talking about the hill of anger, (laughs) (laughs) the the incline of the hill of frustration, (laughs) of upsetness, upsetness, the mound of annoyance. (laughs) (laughs) It's the Uh, mountains of madness, you fuckers! Yay! Hell yeah! Mount mount madness. We're doing some Cthulhu corner today where Doug and I are going to dump into Matt and Mike's ear holes as hard as we possibly can. I know. I mean, it's foreshadowing. It's been a while since we've dumped into your ear. It's been a while. 
Burn a world. Yeah, I've so, definitely missed it because I don't have to do anything except yeah, listen. Isn't it great. <laughs> <laughs> you just kind of sit there. You let us get uh, drunk and talk at you. It's, but this one's we've got a couple of different topics. So normally in Cthulhu Corner, we find like a staple entity in the mythos, and we go over everything about them, tell you about where they came from, why they are. Da da da. Today it's a bit different. Why that is? Uh, simply because the. One of the things that we wanted to talk about happens to be heavily, heavily involved with a, um, a mythos story. Um, and Guillermo del Toro. And Guillermo del Toro. He, his name is attached to what we're Are talking we about PT? <laughs> I wish, bro. I, I do. I wish. wish. That'd be to great. Have that game actually happened. That'd be amazing. I, well, I just wish I even had the demo. I just wish I had the demo. It was anywhere. it was very good. I wonder if I wonder if PlayStations with the demo still on them are going for money. Yeah, you can because probably. Money. Dude, yeah. Yeah. I almost sold my phone because I didn't update the Twitter app, and apparently you can sell a phone with the original Bluebird Twitter logo for like ten grand. <laughs> so it's stupid. But then my phone goes, "We auto updated while you were in surgery, so you're welcome." I go, "Yeah, great, thanks, thank you so much." Elon for that. really hates that bird. Fuck yeah. Uh, Elon is... That's a whole other topic. I guess the bird was not the word. (laughs) No. The trash men were wrong, in fact. X is the word now. Apparently X. Um, X marks the spot. What are we doing again? But we're talking about the At the Mountains of Madness is a a story by H.P. Lovecraft, and it is honestly... It's one of these staple, staple stories that spawned everything that we know about the Cthulhu Mythos. We've got some heavy hitters involved. If you guys listen to our Cthulhu Mythos timeline... Uh, Cthulhu is actually in this story. <laughs> <Name> too. <laughs> Elder things. We got shogas. We got names abound that you can't pronounce. We got shit you can't describe. I mean, what else it's do we all need? Undescribable. You yeah. got that Ubo Salatha. I don't know if that is even the right way to say that. Maybe. But. Who knows? Um, but no, we're, we're going to talk about the story, the very staple H.P. Lovecraft mythos story at the Mountains of Madness. And the reason this is a giant staple for the mythos is it directly covers the history of the Cthulhu mythos timeline that intersects with human history. And yeah, that's pretty cool. Super fucking important it does to me. What with human history? It intersects sex. it. It sexes it. It sexes on the human. Sexes the history. You mean to tell me a human <laughs> an elder thing to this person? <laughs> you telling me a shrimp? Yeah, there it is. Uh, but no, yeah, we're gonna, so today we're going to talk about the entirety of the story at the Mountains of Madness, which is considered to be one of the most central pieces of lore around the Cthulhu mythos. Um, it's one of my personal favorite stories from H.P. Lovecraft. And again, as we always do, H.P. Lovecraft was a terrible fucking human. Product of his time is no longer that time. We have better right. and forward thinking views so we can take his horror and we can separate from the racism. Like properly s- uh, using tax money. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Mike. Okay. And highways. <laughs> we didn't have highways in his time. That might be why he was so racist. He couldn't get He couldn't go across, away. Couldn't get across the country in a feasible manner. <laughs> Who knows, man? Again. I can't imagine what would have happened though if HP Lovecraft had been frustrated by a fifty five mile an hour speed limit. <laughs> there would have been some, some expletives there flying. Yeah. There would have been some words said and some feelings hurt for sure. Um, but no, so before we actually delve into the story that covers, uh, the mountain at the mountains of madness, um, I actually wanted to relate a couple of 
uh, I don't know, more modern day references. One being The Thing. John Carpenter's The Thing, Correct. as well as the original story, are all based on At the Mountains of Madness by H.P. Lovecraft. Um, and the fun thing that I learned while rereading this, because I didn't know this before, is this story by H.P. Lovecraft is actually heavily influenced by a story from Edgar Allan Poe. Um, so super cool. We're getting macabre all around. We're getting weird. We're getting unexplainable. Um, but most importantly, we are getting a horrifying expedition into the Antarctic region by a team assembled by Miskatonic University and sent down the coast of South Good old America. MU. MU. Yeah. Represent. The fighting tentacles. I don't know. The fucking <laughs> tentacles. I, I don't know where to go with that. Um, so the story. The inky it, it, octopus. <laughs> <laughs> the inky octopus. Um, so before we actually go into the story and the, the beings that are involved, Doug, would you like to go over some of the cast and characters that might be uh, be sh- be showing up in this in this story? Yeah, I'd love to. Let me just open up your notes that I forgot to have open, and I will. Hell yeah! <laughs> it ain't diluty. It ain't diluty if we're not in province. Like, oh boy! If we're prepared for an episode, that means we're not doing the episode right. If I'm being honest, clearly. I'll drink to that. What are you drinking? What are you thinking? <laughs> There's a tumbler. We might as well get it out of the way. Yeah, hundred yeah, uh, percent. It's four roses, as per usual. as usual. My old tub is gone, so that sounds unrelated, but it's not a tub. <laughs> oh, old tub, old tub. Okay. Old tub. Yeah, that's why I had reason, it. My, my put, tub gone. I put it together in my head. It was like you had a tub of four roses at some point, and you drank it all. It's all gone. <laughs> Cheers to being what he's been bathing in recently. Cheers to drinking bathtub. Oh, yeah. Mike, what are you drinking? No, classic Evan. Evan Williams. Matt, what do you got? Mm -hmm. I'm drinking a LaCroix because I'm taking a break from (gasps) alcohol. It's like the the cheap liquid death. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I ran out. Well, I've so I've had COVID all all oh yeah last several days, and so I've been locked in my house, and all my liquid death is in my mom's refrigerator. So. That's fair. She can't. Yeah. She can't like just leave it on your doorstep and then. Like, <laughs> that was away. my priority. I was definitely going to call my mom and be like, "Mom, I cannot podcast without my liquid death." Don't you understand, woman? We're trying to get a sponsorship. <laughs> you heard it here, Liquid Death. He you does not it. give a shit. He he can't podcast without it. So you guys should probably try sponsoring us. So we'll we'll cheers to that and hope hopefully that comes true. Cheers, guys. When what? you hear the dink, clink, put it in your wiener. We're getting bad at these. <laughs> when you drink clink wiener. <laughs> the look that Jason that gave been... me when I said that, I was like, yeah. Yeah, you heard me. Bird Scooter. Bloody FM presents Hometown Ghost Stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings. From haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. Clinking wieners would have been a better one. (laughs) Notes for next time. When the wieners clink, take a drink.
Absolutely. But anyway, we are just Doug, off track here. All right. hundred percent. We are going back to the at the mountains <laughs> of madness. There's a cast of characters in this. And I think the total amount of important characters is about 16. We're going to trim the fat on that one because the only people that we actually need to talk about are the, uh, the ones that were sent from Miskatonic university. Who are those? All right. So you've got William Dyer. Um, he is the main narrator at the mountains of madness. Uh, he's a professor of geology at MU. And he's the leader of the uh, Pabodi expedition to Antarctica that takes place in the story. Um, only his last name is mentioned in this text, uh, though he is fully identified in like Lovecraft's The Shadow Out of Time, which is um, another amazing story. Amazing story. Yeah. Um, where amazing he... story. Shut amazing. the fuck up, Mike. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> uh <laughs> Uh, yeah, and he's also in that story, but they're on an expedition uh, out in Australia. Yep. Which is maybe as deadly as Antarctica, I guess. Well, if you know the mythos and you know who resides there, sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so the next person we're going to be talking about is Obama. Dan. Yeah, oh. Obama lives in Australia now. Yeah, yeah. Nailed it. Go ahead. You got the, got rest of the notes? <laughs> <laughs> now, now okay, I will say this. This is one of those episodes where I very much welcome these two just jumping in oh, and, and just talking shit. I want so you guys listen up. Jump in, um, make comments, just talk ask questions. So much shit, but beware. I'm okay. on one. Yeah, Doug's on one. Oh, okay. All right. So <laughs> next person of importance is Dan Forth. That's the only nothing. way he's described. Yeah, it's just on that one. Not, it's his last not name. Dan the first, second, third. <laughs> yeah. Dan, Dan second. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he's a graduate student at MU, and as he's also a part of the expedition, uh, he's described as the great reader of bizarre material. Um, you'll see him quite a bit in this. So then we move on. We got Frank Pabodi. Uh, he's a member of uh, Miskatonic's engineering department. Um, he's a professor. And he basically invented this drill that they're going to be using on this expedition. He's the whole um, reason this expedition happened, which right. is why it's named after him. I and just see Mike over the there also <laughs> laughing at Pabodi, and we're both trying to figure out something to say, but it's a funny name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Step up. I appreciate up. the honesty. <laughs> I want to. I want to hear it. You got. You got plenty of time. Um, all right. So after uh, Mr. Pabodi. Nothing. I got nothing. Okay, cool. no. uh, we have late. I think it writes itself. It just is its own joke. <laughs> they really missed the mark on being Peabody. Yeah. Well, actually, this is so. My God, I would. I did too much research for this because I'd, I know why that's. So it's pronounced Peabody because that is the original pre nineteen hundred spelling of Peabody. I don't care for that at all. Yep. All right. So I'm going to call him Peabody from now on. Yep. Sweet. No. Could have could have given me a heads up on that one. Um, all right, so now that now that we know that this is the Peabody expedition, to be fair, I didn't remember until you said it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's let's keep on track here. You're right. All right, so we got Lake, the next character. Uh, he, they are a professor of biology at Miskatonic, and they are the first to discover the Mountains of Madness as a result of a strange and dodged uh, insistence on a westward or rather northwestward uh prospecting trip um and then lake. we have their name you, is just lake, it's lake. A, well, it's, so these are last names like Prince. the oh, only okay. one that has a first name is <laughs> william dyer and that's because he's in another story infer from that what you will uh anyways oh, yeah. so then we have we move on to atwood uh and they are another mu uh physics uh teacher 
and also a meteorologist. So, uh, you he's know, he's good at weather, weather, <laughs> weather boy. Let's go over to Sky Meteorologist. <laughs> We've got uh, Mr. Peabody on the weather today. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, so those are like the main characters we're, we're going to be talking about today, uh, or I should say Jason is going to be talking yeah. about. Um, <laughs> he's going to kind of basically from here give you guys the the TLDR, the the, the cliff notes, the, I am, the yeah. what have you of the whole story. I'm going to TL the DR as much as I can. Um, uh, is it, it's, so this story by itself is it's about 140 pages. Right. And it was Which is it, still technically kind of a short story. It is. It's a novella. Um, How the ooh. hell is the audiobook four hours? Because people put emphasis on things and they make you feel <laughs> dread and they make you feel emotions. No. It's not just there's there's pauses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's not it's not just some guy going. All right, here's what happened here. Here's what happened here. Okay, cool. This is what is read right here. It's it's like some of them are really good, but that's how Lovecraft intended it to be. <laughs> drawn Bullet out points. and very descriptive for things that are not describable. Yeah, that sounds like Lovecraft. I will say he's rereading the actual text of the Mountains of Madness this week. Uh reminded me how how wordy Lovecraft is and he's super good at descriptions and then you get to the end of the description and be like you were literally just describing one pebble. Like yeah, no, that's <laughs> like, when I was reading through his fictions, which I I wish I would have had time to reread through Mountains of Madness this this weekend, but um, it's a lot. It is, uh, but that's the thing with uh, with like anything in the mythos that I read from him or anyone else for that matter, uh, specifically him though, because of the way he writes, is that I find myself reading a whole page and then being like, "The fuck, what?" Yep, and then rereading it, and being like, "Oh, okay, yeah." He's yeah, very I, verbose. Uh, my favorite game to play whenever I go to Barnes and Noble is uh, <laughs> find a random Lovecraft book, open up a random page. You will find him just talking about coordinates on a map. Yeah, for four pages. I'm hundred like, percent you boring. You're so boring. You're so boring. I will say that is How that's drooling. about a quarter of the story is coordinates on maps until so you get to like the good stuff. But if you can, if you okay, if you read Lovecraft. And as soon as you start seeing coordinates, you can honestly skip a whole page and just go just turn the page. Whatever's happening on the exact same spot, the next page, you're probably fine. He talks about coordinates a lot. And I yeah. think that has something to do with like the time and what like the marvels Planes of, of were just to be adventing. fair. You can do that with most episodes of Deludy, too. <laughs> yeah if, if we say one thing like if you hear like a, a key phrase in our episode, it's if never you skip like away. 30 to maybe an hour you'll be at the end of the episode and you'll know you did good <laughs> doug giving you the uh how TLDR. to listen to Deludi. cthulhu <laughs> nailed it pretty Got much it. um but with all that out of the way let's dump into the mountains of madness which again is a staple story in the mythos if you guys actually want to understand how the mythos is how it's like what it Kind of what people were feeling when all of these things were happening and the general tone of what the mythos is like. This is a story to read. Um, one one might say what that is, what that is indeed. So to answer that question at the Mountains of Madness is actually a letter that's been uh, narrated by the author, who is William Dyer. Um, and again, like Doug said, the only reason we know his first name is some other story by Lovecraft. Um, and it's about a. Uh, Essentially, this letter is a it serves as a warning 
to anybody who wants to explore the Arctic Circle in the future. And he wrote it as like a blanket statement to to be able to se- to be able to send it to whoever he sees in the news, whoever he sees or voices an opinion about searching the Arctic Circle. Now, back in I think this was written in 1923. That's um, about right. The Arctic Circle was not like it was not mapped. We didn't have you know satellite planes to fly over and map the whole region topographically. There was a whole dense cluster. In the center of Antarctica, that we it's just a co- satellite plane. It's a. It's <laughs> if you ever see those planes that have this giant flat circle on the bottom of it. Essentially, what that is is it's a radar plane, and it it topographically maps out Earth. Have you ever seen those radar. cars that Google has? It's they like use that, yeah, they, a plane. <laughs> Google <Okay>. Skyview, <laughs> something like yeah. that. Um. Yeah. Google eyeball. So that's again, why, that's why the middle of the Arctic Circle just has a guy just like, standing out in the middle of the Arctic. It's just one dude. Underwear, just going. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's got like a natty ice in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> he, he knew when they were going to be there. He made it happen. Oh yeah. Um. So, Miskatonic University is is canonically known in the Lovecraft universe to be like the the institution to research into the occult especially these specific forces that we deal with in the Lovecraft universe. I'm not sure if there's even another school. No, I do universe. Literally. That's the only one I've ever read about is Miskatonic university in Boston, Massachusetts. Is Miskatonic like a secret school or is like the supernatural kind of well-known in this? Oh, it's well, it's very well known. Yeah. It's kind of commonplace. It's almost, it's almost as if like, uh, how would you describe it? Like, so, Let's say I wouldn't. Well, it's indescribable. <laughs> Magic to them is the internet to us. Um, it's it's kind of like think if like I don't know if we grew up in cryptids were just commonplace, just like they were real. Like you lived next to next to a bunch of night crawlers, or and you're some like, shit. yeah, we gotta have fucking Brad at fucking MU post that you know we got fish people down the street now, and they're just like, all right, log it. Mm. Like it's not really scary or supernatural to them even though they might consider yeah. it supernatural it's just not it, it's just miskatonic miskatonic is considered like the pinnacle of occult research in the lovecraft verse if we're going to continue with the verses we got to fucking name them um in the lovecraft universe yeah miskatonic university cornell of the lovecraft <laughs> they're, they're the cornell of like <laughs> paranormal alien and like just weird shit okay. Like they, they are the authority. So whenever you hear in Lovecraft stories, whenever you hear information coming from Miskatonic University, you can assume that it's usually good information. So Miskatonic pays for this expedition down to the Arctic Circle simply because there is a region in central Antarctica that just has never been seen before. They don't know what's there. They've seen the surrounding ice shelves. They've seen the surrounding mountains. They know there's a landmass there, but they don't know how big it is. They don't know what used to exist there. Um, and so, again, this letter is being written to simply say, hey, don't fucking explore this place. It's not good. And so that's the tone we kind of hit when we enter this whole story. Um, and so we Doug went over the main cast um, that we you guys I'll introduce that to you guys in a bit. Um, there were a total of 16 people that went on this expedition. And 
So it was the cast mentioned plus 11 other people. And most of them were grad students from Miskatonic University that were there to help with research, that were to help with engineering, whatever it was. Uh, the whole thing was financed by some uh, something called the Nathaniel Derby Pickman Foundation. And it set sail on uh, the it was the beginning of September in 1930. Now. This voyage did not reach ice until October 26th. So, you know, almost two months later, this ship actually hits the Arctic Circle and it breaks up a bunch of ice. Um, they mentioned seeing the Admiralty mountain range, which is a mountain range in the Antarctic. Um, and they, they talk about how, when they showed up, it was just like this weird, dreadful feeling. It was just like a vast white void, I think is what they actually said. Um, they sail around the Cape at the bottom and they make their Not just snow. Huh? Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> yes, hundred percent. Yes. That is what that is. Um, so they sail around Cape Adare and they make camp at some at uh, something called the McMurdo Sound at the base of the volcano named Erebus. When they when they get there, Dyer makes a William Dyer makes a mention that the sights and sound they it just there's something about it. It reminds them of something called the Plateau of Lang. Doug, you know what that is? Yeah, it's definitely uh, not a place that wasn't talked about in the Necronomic. Not at all. Um, it actually is. Uh, it's it's described in the Necronomicon as demonic, um, just blasphemous. It's just this horrific, horrific, horrific place. But they kind of gloss over that, saying can like you, he recently read it. What's up? Can you TLDR what this plateau is, or does that come up later? It, it just did. It's it, a blasphemous, well, no, awful, yeah. <laughs> awful place. <laughs> well, I mean, like, what makes it so awful? I, I, I promise you, you will know that by the end of this story. Um, so after he makes this, this, uh, comparison, um, we're going to jump ahead to November 9th and this is where they actually make camp. Um, they unloaded tons of equipment. Um, they had the components for like five planes, a bunch of plane parts. There were some sleds, there were dogs, uh, shit for like multiple base setups. Like they were going to, Ooh, excuse me. They were going to be here for a long, long fucking time. Uh, the ship itself, actually, nice little Easter egg, is named the Arkham. Um, and <laughs> oh, that's it was... a Batman reference. <laughs> yep. Cool. Yep. Cool. Arca is that Arkham where the Asylum is Arkham, <sighs> Massachusetts. Yeah. The 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 Batman Asylum, I think, is what they call yeah. it. <laughs> no. So this is obviously reference to Arkham Asylum, which or Arkham, Massachusetts, which is like a center point for the entirety of the Lovecraft mythos. Um, and so after they unload all of this equipment, um, they set up communications with the base and the, ba the or the base is actually the ship. The ship sets up communications for the rest of the world. So we have these these planes. We've got this radio communications. And this ship is basically transmitting all of their broadcasts to the rest of the world. Um, and so they do some preliminary setup. They do some exploring. And it wasn't actually until mid-December until uh, they started using this new drill that was developed by uh, fucking Peabody, who Batman. expedition is named Peabody. after. Peabody. Batman. Batman. Um, and they began drilling just almost as soon as they sat down. They were just a little bit too excited. So they drilled in and they found some, some weird striations. Um, 
on this trip, they took some, they took everybody that you would possibly think of for a geological uh, sample taking mission. So there were geologists, historians, topographical masters, uh, grad students in different programs. And one of the, the crew members found it very, very weird that there was these thick striations in the middle of a Precambrian piece of slate. And so for anyone who doesn't know, Precambrian basically means pre-vertebrate. There were no bones, like no, no, no vertebrates <laughs> on, on Earth at this point. Not a single bone exists. No, <laughs> not this a was, bone this to be found. <laughs> yes. No bones, no bonologists here. Um, the bones I bet were people not didn't get at all least arguments bonitis. <laughs> at least no one had now, bonitis. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Are you telling me that no oh, one had bone a bone to pick. to pick? Yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. Thank you. Thank you for picking up on that. <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so they found these weird rocks is essentially what this says. Um, they flew four of the five planes inland by about 500 miles into Antarctica. And they established a sub base, which was supposed to be the center for collecting different specimens and fossils. Um, one of the uh, one of the members, Lake, as Doug went over basically concludes that the markings were from stone being pressed upon biological life 500 million to 1 trillion years ago. That is... That's a big gap. That's fucking huge! And they're yeah, he's bullshitting. They're bullshitting. Yeah, the they are bullshitting. The gap between 500 the million to 1 6, trillion? years old. You know what? Creationist <laughs> theory does say that. And we are in America, so that is fact. I'm pretty he sure. He just made that shit up. Yeah. How old is this? I don't know. It's between 1 and 40,000 trillion. About 6. <laughs> 6? That's about 1 thousand? year to a trillion years old. Somewhere in between. Yeah. Anywhere in between that, you're good. Um, so this, so the first chapter concludes on us basically finding out that there are things in the Antarctic that are 1 trillion years old, which that should be raising some alarm bells. There are things in this world that cannot be explained. (laughs) God damn it. Um, let's go to chapter two. So chapter two is very fossil heavy. I'm like, I wish that would you like to read about fossil heavy. (laughs) (laughs) guys you would you would not believe how precambrian these fossils are which is normal which is normal i just want to make that clear that is very that is pretty normal it is very normal to find precambrian fossils here considering no one's ever been here right you know what i mean right just no No, one's been here no bones they made a huge deal very normal um so after they find these fossils, uh, Lake, I'm pretty sure, who was Lake again? He was the biology professor, right? I'm pretty sure. Uh, He's yeah. the weatherman. No. He? Tom no, Skilling? That was, that, that that was, was yeah, that was the Tom weather. Skilling? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just <Skilling>. making sure. <laughs> um, so, Lake, who is the biology expert, starts just losing his shit. He's so fucking excited about these striations. Um, Did he spoot? I, you know, they didn't cover it, but I, <laughs> from the language that was used, I would not be surprised. Um, he essentially says that he wants to move this whole party now westward. there's a bone in the Arctic. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> so, he literally takes four out of the five planes that they built in the Arctic, and he flew them 500 miles inland 
which, okay, if we're being honest, I didn't know there were 500 miles of inland for the Antarctic, but here we are. Um, he starts talking about what he's seeing and he starts, he starts getting weird about it. Like as he's flying the plane, the things he's seeing just don't, they don't line up to everybody else. Like his, um, like, would you say his sanity is kind of starting to, I would say his sanity is starting to go. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> thank you, Matt. <laughs> so Lake fl- flies about six hours before morning, uh, reporting any of di- like these similar markings that he found in these, uh, the striations on the rock. He noticed similar ones while he's flying the plane. Three hours after this, Lake makes a radio call that is just super frenzied. He reports that any hazard that the trip has posed has instantly become worth it. Um, no one knows what he means by that. About a half hour later, this this is the legit verbatim transmission that comes through on uh, from Lake to the rest of the team. And here's what it says. Molten's plane. He's referring to the plane he was in. Molten's plane forced down on plateau in foothills, but nobody hurt and perhaps can repair. Shall transfer essentials to other three for return or, uh, or further moves if necessary. But no more heavy plane travel needed just now. Mountains surpass anything in imagination. I'm going up scouting in Carol's plane with all weight out. You can't imagine anything like this. Highest peaks must go over 35,000 feet. Everest out of the running. Queer skyline effects. Regular sections of cubes cling to highest peaks. Whole thing marvelous in red gold light of low sun. Land like land of mystery in a dream or gateway to forbidden world of wonder. This is a good time to talk about what uh, the plateau of Lang is. Yeah, I think that'd be a fantastic time to give Yay. some background information on what the back the plateau Tell of Lang me. is. Don't so, let us languish any further. God. Oh. <laughs> 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 Shut up. <laughs> All right. Hey, so uh, the plateau of Lang. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's a fictional location, obviously, but basically, this place uh, in the mythos is uh, a place where different realities converge and this kind of would explain why its precise location cannot be pinned down so uh, referring to the mountains of madness uh, in particular there's a lot of theory that where these mountains are is the plateau of lang uh, and essentially they're going into this place uh that and it's called demonic it's called demonic it's never like for sure that this is where it is because there's other stories that kind of set this place in other places uh like in tibet and uh, they all contradict each other yeah and i think that has to do with the whole like dimensional yep. convergence thing that's the happening mirage, here. yeah um and you know one of the people that like basically discovered this is a really heavy hitter who probably will get their own episode later on but that's abdul al hazred the mad arab himself yeah. and if you guys don't know who that is that is the person who wrote the necronomicon yep Yep. So he's big. He big boy. Yeah, big, he's big time story boy. He's big in this. Um, but yeah, I just figured that it would probably be good oh, yeah. to explain that now. Um, absolutely. Mike, Matt, do you guys have any questions thus far? Is this a mountain cool. or a plateau? Because both. I think, uh, okay. 
Well, so it's <laughs> it's a mountain range filled yeah. with plateaus and trees and valleys. Like it, it's not so just it's one like mountains, mountain. but some of the tops are cut off. Well, so the the main <laughs> range that they're <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> I, and I was I was thinking about this the whole time myself. Yeah. To be fair, uh, I'm assuming what is happening is the plateau being traveled on then puts you into the mountains of madness. More or less, from what I gathered, is so. There's a there's a trope here that uh, William Dyer or the author Lovecraft mentions as uh, the Arctic void. And basically what that is, is because the Arctic is white and the sky sometimes has clouds in it or obstructions, is that you can't tell where the landscape meets the sky. And so when you actually look at Antarctica from like the shore, you you would never know that there are actual mountains there. As you traverse inward, what they're saying is there's a plateau that goes, it goes upwards, it levels off like a thousand feet in the air and then it keeps going. And then you hit this mountain range from what I understand. Okay. That makes sense. Sound better. Yeah. Does it? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> <All> right. 100%. <laughs> um, so after this transmission is sent by Lake, um, he, he basically, he continues to update everybody over the course of, I mean, the rest of the story, if we're being honest, um, he keeps reporting on these weird rock formations that are like weirdly angular and not natural in like, like perfect cube formations and cones and cylinders. Um, and actually at one point he reports seeing like a, a built rampart on like one of these mountains, which what, why the fuck are, is there architecture here? You know what I mean? Like, this is, up until this point, humans have never set foot here at all. Not a single one of them. And now, all of a sudden, we're seeing ramparts. We're seeing weird geometric structures. So, he sends all of this back to base. And in the morning, a plan was basically devised to bring a bunch of supplies and fuel back out to Lake so they can fix the plane, get everybody home, and they can regroup in the morning. Um... Back over to Lake's camp, after a grueling amount of setup time, they finally managed to set up the drill that they brought out here, and they begin drilling into one of the the hillsides, the mountains, um, and they hit a cave. They hit this, like, empty area, and they they see that it's full of all of this, like, all these different animals, fossilized animals, carcasses, I mean, preserved specimens. And it's animals from every fucking time period. You have saber-toothed tigers lying next to, like, a modern chimp. And lying next to fucking uh, cephalopods that only existed, like, 700 million years ago. So Is basically, there a dinosaur? Alt- huh? Is there a dinosaur? I think there actually is a dinosaur in there. It's literally, it's everything. It's like All-time ti- all <laughs> periods worth of animals. Pretty much all the way from, like, the criti- like, sorry... Pre-Cambrian era, eras, oh, there you go. all the way up to modern day, you can find every, like all these different types of animals, and obviously, to a biologist, this is fucking strange because if you find one specimen separated by I don't know, two hundred million years, and it just happens to be lying right next to the other specimen, you that might die last week, right? Like you might have some questions. So that was it's the first weird like thing that happened. Put them there. <gasps> It almost seems kind of like a. It's catalog. the mountain. 
It's, it's mad. mad. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, the mountain, Jerry. So, after they they go through some of these caves and they discover uh, some more plant life, some more fossils, um, they send a transmission to the world. And this is the transmission that changes everything. And here's what it says. It's from Lake. They've hit the second tower. Oh, no. Here's what it says. 10.15 p.m. Important discovery. Found monstrous barrel-shaped fossil of wholly unknown nature. Probably vegetable, unless overgrown specimen of unknown marine uh, radiata. Tissue evidently preserved it's by minerals. It's pronounced Ray Liotta. He You're passed right. away recently. He, he did pass away recently. <laughs> Rest in peace. Rest they in found peace. him in the mountain. <laughs> R.I.P. in peace. Um, tissue evidently preserved by mineral salts. Tough as leather, but astonishingly flexible, retained in places. Marks of broken off parts at ends around, around sides. Six feet end to end, like a barrel, with five bulging ridges in place, in place of staves. Lateral breakages as of thinnish stalks are at equator in middle of these ridges, all greatly damaged but one, which gives almost seven foot wing spread. Arrangement reminds one of certain monsters of primordial myth, especially fabled elder things in the Necronomicon. What what that you say? Elder Doug, what that what, what that is indeed. Uh yeah, so uh Elder things, elder, Necronomicon. Elder things. Where where do we start? Where do we start? Uh, I guess we start at <laughs> Tub Girl dot, dot Lemon Party. Lemon Party. Dot lemon party. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the Elder Things, also known as the Old Ones or the Elder Ones, um, were obviously created by H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, but this is where they actually make their first appearance uh, in the Mountains of Madness. Um, a lot of these uh, old ones appear in some of his other short stories, uh, The Dreams in the Witch House and The Shadow Out of Time, also two banger stories. So fucking good. Um, I actually just bought uh, Dreams in the Witch House, a uh, fucking like, Masters of Horror DVD. Oh, nice. Um, and I haven't seen it yet, uh, so I'm curious how that's It's a movie? Go. Wait, okay, mm, we'll talk later. Yeah, it's, yes, it 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 is, but anyways, so... Elder Things, they came to Earth billions of years ago and may have actually accidentally started terrestrial life through uh, their arcane experimentations. So that's something to think about. A lot of this is through small quips that have been said in other stories. Um, There's no definitive, this was laid out here, here's the thing we know for sure happened. It's all kind of assumptions at this point because the entire Lovecraft universe is created by so many people now that like who who the fuck knows yeah. at this point. And also if you guys well actually this is mostly directed at Mike and Matt if you were listening to this one. Um the Cthulhu Mythos timeline episode, one of the first things we talked about was the se- the series of wars that happened on Earth. Mm-hmm. And this is this is going to cover a lot of that shit. It, it does actually. It covers much of it. Yeah, like um, almost all of it. So <clears throat> the other things they they end up creating uh, this race of beings called the Shogoths, and they were basically to serve as slaves, building these vast cities around the planet. So 
by the time we get to humanity's evolution, the elder things were already degenerating as a race and beginning to lose certain abilities such as space flight uh, on these wings that they have. Yeah. Um, so with the arrival of other alien entities on the planet, including the Migos, Cthulhu star spawn, numerous wars uh, between these uh, start playing out over the centuries. Um, it is unknown whether the elder things were warlike in attitude or if they were kind of just defending the way they were. Mm -hmm. um, but to their horror, they end up discovering that they also had to contend with the Shogoth, uh, their slave race that was basically yes. brainless. They end up kind of rising up and and actually that that's actually something that I will touch on. Okay, cool. So, so yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll yeah save that for for I don't know like five ten minutes from now. <laughs> yeah, no, that's totally cool. Uh, so let me go over their appearance real quick, and then yeah. we can. We can. We, we did can stop just, there. We, you're going to notice some similarities from the descriptions I just gave, and yep. you're going to see what it's like to actually encounter one of these things. <clears throat> so, a show. Basically, I've met a lot of lots of. Uh, this is actually this is <laughs> this an is elder, elder thing. thing. Yes. Oh. So so elder <laughs> I things. Just, <laughs> I just got that. I got your joke, Matt. I yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> so one the thing I want to. <laughs> uh, we all know. Yeah, that's 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 right. That's doing the. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crowd killing. Um, all right. So basically the I want to put this out in a perspective too. So when I say elder things, uh I guess one of the things that kind of come to my mind is like just a race of different uh, like beings coming together, but they're actually just that's just what they're called. They yep. all are the same thing. They're called elder things. Uh and they stand roughly six feet tall. And they have a, the appearance of a huge oval-shaped barrel mm -hmm. with starfish-like appendages on both ends. Uh, the top appendages was the head, and it's adorned with five eyes, five eating tubes, and a set of prismatic cilia, <laughs> or seeing without light, essentially. Five eating tubes. Yep. And so their bottom appendage was five-limbed and smell out of? <laughs> basically used for walking, crawling, running, etc. Is that bat? Is it the fucking Batman? Batman. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My love. Which one, of the, which one of these tubes do you smell out of? <laughs> All jokes aside, I'm really losing quite a lot of blood here. <laughs> oh, penetrating God. your body. Yeah, I got, I got nothing. That is my love you're speaking to. <laughs> Sorry, Doug, go ahead. No, yeah. no, no, yeah. no. Please continue. <laughs> no. Yep. All right, good. I don't want right. to. So these beings also had five leathery... helicopter. <laughs> oh, I hate you so much. I'm taking the shot. Cheers. Cheers, buddy. Where are the drugs going? <laughs> Where are the drugs going? I hate all of you. All right. <clears throat> so they have five sets of tentacles. All right. Five sets of ten? Yep. Five sets of tentacles. Got it. Uh... I'm not sure why there's a space here in this, and it really threw me off. Um, <laughs> I thought it did. It's a ten tackles, and I ten was like, tackles. "That's not right." So <clears throat> they had five sets of tentacles that sprouted out from their torso, which divided twice into the finer tentacles that could be used for like swimming, swimming, manipulating objects, etc. So they were vegetable-like in shape, having a very radial symmetry instead of a bilateral symmetry of bipedals. Um, and they also differed in that they had a five-lobed brain. Um, so there's a lot going on with so these much. guys. And basically, yeah, these things are fucking wackadoodle. 
if you yeah. look at some of the pictures of them. Oh yeah, well, I mean, we'll put it's some like up a for flying episode. corn on the cob with yeah. like a ball sack for a head. <laughs> like I don't even I know. It's interesting. Yeah, it, it's it, it. Do you guys know what starfruit is? Y'all know what, un- what it looks indescribable like? Indescribable is. This thing looks like a giant fucking starfruit. Yeah, that yeah. someone attached five Doctor Ock tentacles with teeth inside it to its top, and then gave it a fucking like six foot wingspan. Yeah, seven like foot. Seven foot. Yeah, it's got plenty of holes for fucking. It's got many a tubes, tubes for feeding <laughs> and tubes for feeding. The holes yeah, are for that, fucking the tubes are, are for feeding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's that's kind of where we go with the elder things. I have a bit more on them that I will talk about um, as it comes up. As it comes up, but uh, yeah, they're they're a wily wily bunch of people. So yeah. Um, so again, this is a this is a description of what was just uncovered. At the base of the Mountains of Madness, um, or as we know it as the, it's just past the Admiralty Mountain Range. Um, so, again, biology professor from Miskatonic Lake finds finds uh, one of these things, and they keep digging, and they actually end up finding fourteen full specimens. Fourteen of these things. Specimen. Uh, eight of them are basically perfect, like undamaged. Just, you know, frozen in time. The other six are damaged in various different ways, whether they be missing a tentacle or chunks are taken out here and there. Um, but essentially, he hauls them up and he pres- he tries to preserve all 14 of them for as long as possible. And when he does this, he brings all of them above ground and he puts them under a canvas tarp so he can later go into dissect them. And he actually, he goes into great detail with the dissection. I'm not going to go into all the details, but all you need to know, all you need to know, (laughs) yeah, I know, is that uh, even after he spent hours dissecting this thing, he was not sure if it was a plant or an animal. The scalpel that I used was three inches in diameter, not two or four, but three inches. The blade made of a 13 millimeter thick stainless steel, because that's how Lovecraft writes. Oh, 100%. Yeah. He's it super detailed. Sharp, but not perfectly sharp. It was yeah. only slightly sharp. I really could could take better care of my utensils. I don't... Th- it truly probably could have been a little sharper than what I had it at originally. <laughs> but I left it there because I, I had less time than I thought Lovecraft to do all of this. would have been a horrible DM. <laughs> like, horrendous. Like, I understand you're supposed to give descriptions, but, like, that's just too much. Yeah, he's very verbose. He goes overboard in his, his descriptions just a bit, but in certain areas, that actually works for him. And this is one of those stories where it does, because it gives you such details in the specifics that it takes you from your fucking couch in front of your TV and it puts you in the Arctic. Like it it's it's not hard to think about what they were seeing here. Puts you in the Arctic in front of your TV. It's definitely a uh, an acquired taste for reading. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Especially to get through some of Lovecraft's like earlier works. Yes. Um. It's it's a lot of reading because he's just very wordy. Yeah. But as long as you can, like, I love it. I enjoy it. And I've also learned how to skip over certain parts. Um, <laughs> but so this is uh, the very end of this chapter. They basically say this, like, he has no idea 
Is this a plant? Is this an animal? We don't know. It's just, you know, six feet tall, seven feet wide. It looks like a barrel slash starfruit, and it's got teeth in tubes. Um, after this, Dyer and uh, his crew, they gear up and they go to, uh, to lake space. They start flying. Um, and on, uh, on their way, they, uh, they just, they'd see something similar to what Lake was describing in his, uh, his mirage or his, uh, his vision of, uh, what he called similar to the plateau of Lang. Um, they see mountains and they see an Arctic void. Um, but when they see this polar mirage, they described it as like impossible. Essentially this giant sense of dread creeps over them. And then this mirage appears of these mountainous peaks that have several points, but also one they're all in geometric shapes. Um, it's like this nightmarish hellscape. Uh, how did he describe it? He said, basically it was like an offense to, uh, to natural laws, more or less. It just, it takes natural laws and it says, go fuck yourself to them. We're building a city. Um, when they see all of these different cones, these squares, um, they start to get a little bit closer, a little bit closer. Um, and when they, with, when they get up there, they decide, oh, this is, these are bad conditions. We can't. So we're going to go directly to Lake's camp and we're going to help him. Um, they discover when they get there. But there's no one there. We see tents. We see equipment. But we don't see people. We see no scientists. We see no researchers from Arkham. Um, according to the reports, Lake and his team, minus a grad student, were found dead due to a horrific windstorm that was apparently strong enough to rip through the barriers protecting the, uh, the four planes that were there and just fucked most of them to hell. Um, that's the report. We learned that they actually have no idea what happened, but they just kind of picked up the pieces afterwards. Um, but the weirdest thing is out of those 14 specimens of the elder things that we now know what they are, that they found six of them, the six damaged ones were found buried nine feet in the snow under soapstone caps that had five pointed crowns on top of them. Mm. Mm. they were outside before the fuck happened why are they underground why are they buried why is there a goddamn gravestone on top of them that's fucking somebody weird somebody was sad somebody was sad <laughs> and unfortunately <laughs> that terrorizes they, they just us get sadder. <laughs> <laughs> just get a little bit sadder next time and this will all be fine um so just sing a happy song a little fucking louder. Just sing a happy song. A little fucking oh, yeah. louder. Um, so this is these Very findings well, were were kept were kept secret by uh, and as it's described. So the two people that, that that see it are Dyer William Dyer and Danforth, who is a grad student from Arkham or uh, Miskatonic University. They discover this stuff. They agree to keep it quiet, and that's the end of it. Chapter four happens. Chapter um, four. Dyer tells us that he hasn't been completely honest with us, the reader, the uh -oh. person reading this letter. Why would he do that? You know, always I don't know, man. Did I he don't start know. it off saying, I did y'all a goof? He, that's exactly the first 
four words of the chapter. Yeah. <laughs> I did y'all a goof. <laughs> um, so he reveals he hasn't been honest with us. Um, he then says that the bodies they found had large, precise chunks cut out of them. They have large talons. <laughs> they had large talons. Um, but apparently the big, like the bigger the person, the larger the chunks that were taking out of them. Like it was, it was a ratio apparently. Um, it in, inside the lab, the makeshift lab they had set up for studying, uh, the different specimens. And this is actually where, uh, Lake was dissecting some of the specimens he found the more damaged ones inside this lab. Honestly, when you walked up to it, it was mostly undamaged, no wind damage, no nothing. Inside, the lab table was missing the specimens. Sorry, the lab table was missing the specimens, and there was this weird material just all over the place. They didn't think much of it, but after taking samples of the material, they determined that the material was all of the material of one human and one dog. Both jizz. They brought sled dogs <laughs> to the Arctic. Everybody was missing except for Dan. Uh, I'm sorry, not Danforth. Uh, one of the grad students and one person, and then two dogs total. We just accounted for one and one, just based on volume, <laughs> apparently. Whatever happened to these people? They it just obliterated them, and they don't really they don't really show it in the story. They're like, yeah, we found them. They're all dead, and they're cut up and stuff. And honestly, that was super weird to me. Oh boy. Yeah. They're just, eh, it's, it's whatever. Um, and then he says, I haven't been completely honest with you again. And why is he bothering writing all this stuff? I know. Why is he writing he's just going to be like, retcon. I know. <laughs> so <laughs> fooled you, bitch. apparently he was never going to actually <laughs> include this, but a certain feeling told him that he must. Um, they didn't only take one flight to the base of the Mountains of Madness, and then direct to Lake's camp, where a plane had gone down. Apparently, they spent 16 hours exploring the Mountains of Madness that they told nobody about. And so this next chapter goes over some of those missing details. Um, so after... after so. When I told you that they flew by these Mountains of Madness and they saw the Mirage and they found Lake's camp, um, that's not exactly what happened. They kept going. Apparently, they, uh, they saw a bunch of ramparts. They saw some structures. They saw some carved buildings. Um, essentially, just a bunch of like evidence. That Did they fly by a billboard for a Bucky's gas station? <laughs> if, you it's, know what? Bussies. It's, it, <laughs> it's bussies. No, it's honkies. Honk bees, honk bees, the honk, gas station, the movie. Yeah. Um. So they saw some ruins. They saw a rampart. They saw several ramparts and just a bunch of non-natural structures. And when they dated it, it was dated to five hundred million years ago. Hi, my name is Woody Harrelson. Check out my new movie, Rampart. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody here know offhand Boo. when? <laughs> No, scientists boo this man. <laughs> no, yeah, we can talk about. It. No, no, no. <laughs> I don't. We don't want to. <laughs> okay, fine. Um, five hundred million years ago. Hey guys, when did life happen on Earth? 
Six thousand years science. ago, we already went over this. No, not creationist theory. Like legit. Six billion. Six thousand one. Sixty mid. Uh, it wasn't like. Uh, is it like one hundred fifty million years ago? Or it something? was about one hundred fifty million years ago. Is when life on Earth was actually fucking realized. This non-natural structure carbon dates back to five hundred million years. So obviously, red flags are being thrown off left and right. Um, there's talks of madness. There's talks of this being wrong. Um, and also I did want to relay this 500 million years ago. That kind of lines up with, uh, Sethagua and yeah. Yig, mm-hmm. as well as the elder things, Cthulhu, the Shogas, everything, the formation of the actual continents of the world as according to the Cthulhu mythos. All right. Let me, let me interject wow. here for a Please second. and thank you. Um, <clears throat> So let's talk about so the elder is, things again for a second. What's up, Mike? Is is like the are the elder things? Are they like pretty much e- like immortal? They are, like do they not die of old? No, age? they actually, are mortal. This, I, I will actually yeah. maybe answer some of this right now for you. Yep, just so you know. Um, so we've already established that the elder things are the first race to inhabit Earth. Uh, out of all of these other terrestrial beings, um. And through uh, through a few things that actually happened, um, so Shogoths end up rebelling against them, right? Which I mentioned before. Now, this brought the Elder Things civilization to an actual extinction event, yeah. I guess is what yep. we would call it. And now, while only the dead or those frozen in hibernation can be found... Uh, in frozen the... in hibernation? Yep. Mm. Possibly. Okay. Mm. Um, these remains are in the Antarctic City. Now, there are other cities of the other things, but these are in the deepest parts of the ocean. Mm-hmm. Right. Ocean. The Ojbin. The mm. um, <clears throat> so, hence also Boy. contained in certain banned texts suggest that the non-degenerating elder things may actually be found living among the stars, but that is for a whole other yeah. story. Yes. Um, now, I want to talk about these other things a little bit more in depth. Uh, just for a second here. Uh, so he he was just mentioning about other things being under the ice and mm. this and that. So let me let me just give you in a, a little, cave frozen right, in time. Let me give you just a small snippet more of what these beings are. So in terms of reproduction, uh, they multiplied using spores, and they actually discouraged each other from increasing their numbers, except for when colonizing new regions. So you could see why there might be, you know, a lot of these in Antarctica because it's pretty important. Yeah. Um, so they could basically, I don't know, you could call them carnivorous if you wanted to, um, but that's kind of besides it's omnivorous, the point. If I'm being honest, yeah, that's that's fair. I'll go into that later though. <clears throat> so they were amphibious. Um, the bodies of other things were incredibly tough, capable of withstanding pressures of the deepest oceans and the harsh vacuum of space at the same time. Um, unlike other beings in the mythos, the other things were made of normal terrestrial matter. Uh, their blood was thick and green and had a horrible, horrible stench. stench. It smelled like so they're, shit. They're carbon based. Yeah, they are carbon based. Yes. Yeah, they were. They were gross based. Wowie zowie. <laughs> yeah, and that's 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 all I got on the other things for now. There's a lot more information I can bring up, but uh, I think we'll I think we'll save it for a little bit further into the into the uh, explanation of Atmom. Okay. Well, as we continue, um, 
right after this wild experience, uh, apparently they ended up flying into the mountain range and like seeing and experiencing the rampart that was actually mentioned by Lake. Um, and this is the, that's the end of chapter four. Chapter five is the first glimpse into a completely alien earth, which is this section of Antarctica that was never before mapped. Um, when they got there, they expected smooth windblown stone and normalcy. Um, what they got was MC Escher and bat shittery. If I'm being a hundred percent honest, um, the way it was described is this was a, uh, they see a, a city, they see structures, they see things built into the mountains and they say, apparently this was described as a city born of a dark violation of space and time. Don't know what that means, but here we are. If we think about the city of Rulia, we know that, that does not bend to the current physics laws. Um, and I think that this something that looks technically like the plateau of Lang also abides by the same non rules. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. The one big reoccurring theme here is any, any sort of Lovecraft mythos architecture is going to be absolutely just bad. Undoable. Oh uh, yeah. It's not real. It, there's, it, you it will defies not... laws and of physics and gravity and whatever. You won't you... be able to picture it. Yeah. Like you could, your mind just cannot picture it. Um, and so with this in mind, it is dubbed the nameless stone labyrinth. Um, isn't that a name though? <laughs> it is. You're right. It has uh, no name. An oxymoron. But for now, the we're nameless call it city the nameless is named. <laughs> We've the named it. No stone. name. Nameless the name. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys understand yet? <laughs> anyway. Um, Indescribable. But, <laughs> One of the fun things they find are but these it's right like, over here, but not they find, unnameable. You can see it. They find these hollowed out hills that are filled with like this stone, like just like barrier, more or less. It's like these big bean like domes. Like I guess hollow bean hills. Dome? It's like the uh, the the fucking hell. Are there uh, Shire Flame Park? The bean. The oh. bean. The Chicago you mean bean. Cloud Gate. <laughs> oh, whatever. <laughs> what? No, I don't. <laughs> what? <laughs> So these, you mean the big baked bean? I am talking about a structure Chicago. near the city that looks like a hollowed out version of the Millennium Park bean. Why do they decide? Do you have to put an image in, in your Chicago? head? We're not known for beans. Can I? Can that? I derail this for two seconds? Uh, it yeah. already has been. There, there's a point in time. <laughs> I want to say. I want to say during the COVID, uh, the COVID lockdowns, where people kept making. Facebook yeah. uh events like, for events. the bean. And one was like fling the bean over the Sears Tower. Yeah. <laughs> or uh and then one was like go stick all your dildos on the, the bean. One of them was like uh take a Sharpie and but color the... the bean brown so it match <laughs> matches the color of beans or like some shit like that. Uh, yeah. Oh Jesus Christ. That was a that was a good time. Alright. Back on um, track. Back on track. So the nameless stone labyrinth, the city in the in the in the mountains of madness. Um, we see this this weird bean shaped like outcropping into a hill. We see two of them actually. One of them is just completely destroyed. The other one, and Doug, actually, I want I want to see if you know what the other one was. The one that's actually intact. Uh it's something that resembles something called the snake tomb. 
from the the ancient valley of Petra, from like the cradle of humanity. So now that you know that the first one was called the Snake Tomb, do you know what the other one might have been dedicated to? Probably Yig. Ooh, so no, this Uh-oh. is this is the Yig one. Oh, the Snake God. Bat Tube. A Bat Tube. Touch the T. Doesn't look like it makes sense for a word. He's Seven a fat girl. frog. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, if you know anything about the uh, the Cthulhu mythos, uh, you know that the other one, the other bean-shaped precipice, outcropping, whatever, it built into a hill, was supposed to be a shrine to Sathagua. If you want to know more about Sathagua, uh, you can actually go to our TikTok, even though we're very, yeah. very much not uh, active on there. So long. Uh, I do cover Sathagua on our TikTok, and he is a, he's just a mighty, mighty fucker. Oh, he's, you, he's, he's a, a, piece, he's of a shit. piece of shit. Yeah, he has a lot to do with the, our Yig episode, um, as well as the Elder Things and Shogas. If you want to know more about that, go look at that. Otherwise, what is, what is it? If he's, he's basically Sa- Jabba the Sathagua, Hutt. he looks like Jabba the Hut with back legs. He looks like a bat who's a frog. <laughs> it's a bat frog. <laughs> so he just has back legs, so like he just like these two little legs pushing the rest of Jabba the Hut like across the floor. <laughs> yeah, honestly, more or less. Um, imagine okay. the top half of a bat. And the mm. bottom half of a frog. Yeah, it's it. It's not a good visual, but it no. It's just what, cool. you know, it's what he looks like, and that was one of the uh, the cre- the entities. Like that was Elden Ring boss. Honestly, yeah, yeah. kind of. Like, I mean, actually, Elden, Ring, Elden Ring is Lovecraft in his shit. He actually, so it might be. he he loved just he was like the laziest fucking uh like entity ever. He just sat in this like throne room and basically had all of his cultists. Just bring him sacrifices. Yep. And if they, he, if he didn't like it, he'd just eat them. Yep. And then if he did like it, he'd just eat them. Yep. He also, <laughs> one of the powers he had was similar to Yidra, where he could uh, not completely, but semi-perfectly change shape, I guess, depending. He was a shapeshifter. Yeah, there, a lot of them are. are uh, most okay. of them are. But yeah, we'll go over yeah. Sethagoo at some other point in time. He's a, right. he's a big part of this story, but unfortunately there is way too much information. This, he, he's he's actually... He's like a big part, but like not really. He's like, a big part of the history. <laughs> he's like a big part, and then they just like don't go into it. Yeah. Well, if you want to understand like why at the Mountains of Madness is happening, you have to understand who Sethagoo is. Yeah. Like you just have to. Which is funny because he only came around yep. two years before. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. 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 Whole whole another thing for another Timing time. is weird. Whoa. Yeah. <clears throat> um so anyway, um, after this, uh, this snake tomb was found built into an outcropping, um, Dyer and his, uh, in Danforth decided to land in this outcropping, I guess. It's, it, it was like a straightaway in this labyrinth of peaks. Um, you see that there were streets that were built under and above one another. They actually venture into one of these, like, town centers, and streets actually, like, You'd see a subterranean street morph into a, like, surface street, but then go back under. It was very, like, it's 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 non-Euclidean. It's just non-Euclidean. You ever seen Whoville? It's Whoville. <laughs> Holy shit, Whoville and the Plateau of Lang might be the same thing. It's very similar. Yeah. If I had to say. Yeah, it's very <laughs> close. Horton, here's an elder god. <laughs> <laughs> Horton, here's an elder god. That, yeah, that is exactly what it is. Yes. So, after they land here, um, they go searching for the missing grad student, 
who they determine is missing from the site where Lake was, as well as the missing dog. <laughs> they don't find much. They uh, they do find the entrance to the city, and their their brains start to scramble as they try to like comprehend it in fucking Lovecraft fashion. And after they, so they reach, weren't having a good time. They were not having a good time. Their brains were trying their best. I think is a good way to put that. <laughs> oh, bless her heart. On low so battery mode. <laughs> they describe this first glimpse of an alien Earth of the city in a in this this mountain range that dwarfs Mount Everest. And uh, essentially, it, they discover that the town looks like it was just abandoned, like overnight. There's shit just that would have been they they go over some of the things that were in some of the houses and none of them look like they were used by humans. None of them. But they could surmise that whoever, whatever lived here left in a fucking hurry. Um there were there were seats, there were chairs, there were there were just all the different types of things you would normally find in a human household. Just it looked a bit different, but it functioned very similarly. But Essentially, you could say the teapot was left on. So somebody was here recently, but they aren't anymore. Um, see the chapter six. William Dyer dispenses with the details of the architecture at this point. Honestly, the entirety of chapter five is just like a <laughs> just a here's what things look like. Um, so chapter six, it goes into more about the, their artwork and their culture. Um, they do manage to date back a, another portion of this man-made structure to about 50 million years. So now we have a, a discrepancy of 450 million years within the same city. Um, and it, it, it outlines different murals that are found with different mathematic intricacies that could never have been formed by early humans or early intelligence. Um, I really wish we actually got to hear some of the stories that were told by these murals because they sound fucking fascinating. But the things that we go over is essentially prehistory history all the way up to about a trillion years ago, which is when this fucking settlement was founded. Uh, the sculptures drunk that history get involved. I <laughs> really hope it's soon because holy shit, drunk, drunk Cthulhu, mythology. drunk. Yeah, drunk Yakubian <laughs> mythology would be great. Um, so these different sculptures that are found, these different murals that are found, they all outline. Uh, we very clearly see something that we, at least Doug and I know to be called Star Spawn. Mm -hmm. Doug, do you know what Star Spawn are? Yep, they are the beings that Cthulhu sent to Earth to do his bidding. To scout, to make sure. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. They are tied to Cthulhu. So now we're introducing Cthulhu again. So we've got the Elder Things. We've got uh, Cthulhu, we've got um, Shogas, we've got fucking, what was the other one? Migos. Migos, yes, we've got a whole bunch of people. This is, this is outlining the fucking history of the world, the history of the Earth, the as told. The Migos fans are just going at it. <laughs> um, this actually is probably a good spot before you reveal our next uh, heavy hitter, Shogoths. Yeah, one thing um, to say, and then you can dump right into that. All right. Um, the one thing that the Elder Things did contribute to the formation of the world was uh, a form of life and a very, very, very primitive form of life, um, a protoplasmic organism. And Doug, what, what are those called? 
so those are those 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 my friend are the show goths uh now before i go into the show goths uh i do want to finish off talking a little bit more about some of these elder things uh specifically some of their architecture oh yeah yeah we just covered Um, some of that so fuck yeah so there's a lot of carvings that were found in the other things lost city of antarctica that hint that they possessed an understanding of cosmology and physics at least equivalent to that of mankind and likely much, much more significant. Um, so the other things were actually mentioned to have a very advanced agriculture. Uh, the murals on their walls, which you were just talking about, yep. actually described the elder things as possessing vast vineyards and having domesticated many prehistoric animals as workforce and as pets. So they, even though they didn't look like us, they thought like us to a certain degree, um, which is kind of weird. He, hold um, on to that. Because that there's a point coming soon. Yeah. Um. And so among among them, uh, they actually kept primitive like primates that looked similar to humans, um, that were kept for entertainment. Mm-hmm. Uh. So they weren't exactly like primates, but they weren't exactly humans. They were in that stage that we call, I guess, evolution. Yep. Homo uh, erectus, Homo habilis, all those intermedullary stages between ape and human. Apparently, yeah. So belong to the elder things. Another thing the to keep in mind: the, the, <laughs> the big foots, the almost job. Um, <laughs> so big feeties. One big thing that we've been kind of alluding to and kind of dancing around is yep. their architecture. Uh, elder thing architecture mimics their five pointed symmetry, and this was built entirely by Shogoths. How many points? Five. Cool. Five. Five of them. Five of their points. Um, and so because, uh, the elder things reproduced their spores, there was literal, there was little, uh, biological basis for like a family situation yeah. and an elder thing oh, yeah. life. Uh, pretty much they just lived together if they got along with each other. Um, and I know that's kind of insignificant, but might make more sense later on. Um, the familial unit was not really a, a trope for, no, they just were like, oh, we, we don't. You don't stink as bad as the other one over right. there or something like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so on Earth, the other things end up building these huge cities like we talked about, both underwater and on dry land. Yep. And when I say dry land, I do mean Antarctica because even That's though it's a it. bit wet, it's still dry land. To be fair, well, uh, you know, I'm going to cover that later. Never mind. So uh, they may be responsible for the appearance of the first life forms on Earth, uh, including the entity known as Ubo Sathala mm-hmm. or Sathala. I don't know how to pronounce it. Sathala. TLDR. Ubo Sathala was this big fleshlight, essentially, <laughs> that literally protected all of the knowledge of the Elder Gods. Yep. They wrote all of their, everything they knew on these the big tablets. And this thing protected it mm-hmm. um in a in one way or another um but yeah he was basically like a like those plastic things you had as a kid that were filled with like jelly oh yeah uh, last couple things um the elder uh the elder gods they 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 were known to have warred against cthulhu the great race of yith uh mm-hmm. the migos despite all of these conflicts it was the gradual cooling of the planet during the last ice age that actually spelled their doom uh, which is not here anymore, <gasps> which Wait, is kind of are. weird. But that being said, uh, basically they end up retreating to their undersea cities, and they would thereafter have no further dwellings on the outer world. 
Um, their last surface city located on the high plateau of the Antarctic remains frozen in ice. These ruins of the city were discovered in what yep. we know as the Peabody Expedition. Yes, sir. So, that being said, we now, have... What, what, uh... Where, where are we at with entities? Shogoths. Okay. We, we've talked about the Elder Things. The Elder Things created something called the Shogoths to essentially build the pyramids they're, for them, right? Basically, they're uh, servitor race. They're slaves. Yeah. Yeah. So, Shogoths are... God. They are depicted as amorphous, shape-shifting beings who the Elder Things genetically engineered as a race of servant uh, tools... Uh, but eventually they rose up against their masters, and they're later mentioned in the shadow over Innsmouth, mm-hmm. uh, which is another great thing. Fucking great um, story. And then the thing on the doorstep, which I actually yep. don't know if I've read that one or not, but um, they have become very widely shared elements in the Cthulhu mythos. Like, they're probably the most popular creature yeah. in the whole thing, to be fair. Even, like, overshadowing Cthulhu. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. if... if and uh, if something is in a game or a video yeah. game or whatever it it's is, there's a Shogoth there for sure, for yeah. some reason. Um, but yeah, so these sentient blobs of self-shape-shifting gelatinous flesh are basically like giant amoebas. Yeah. Um, some in, like are 15 feet in diameter. Um, if it was like a sphere, but larger, um, basically you'd see that they're like almost damn near 15 by 15 feet like they're just these huge fucking blobs um and they're uh jason wanted me to let you guys know that they are a big poopy um, <laughs> so that actually was not me <laughs> okay so it was, it was mike 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 wanted me to know that they're a big poopy i, I cannot claim that. I, I guess i should have figured that since you don't have your laptop no um, i don't anyway What's the so thing that doug used to put in everybody's notes the uh, name Fucking, oh, uh, fucking oh, doctor Marcus, Marcus Fartbutt. Fart yeah. 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 Marcus yeah. Fartbutt. Um, There's a meme we haven't used in a while. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, so he was shit. on the expedition. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. was. He he was one of the guys Professor that got Fartbutt killed. Himself. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, Shogoths are capable of shape shifting into whatever organs or shapes it finds necessary at the moment. However, in its usual state, it tends to sp- uh, sport like a like a big mass with just fucking eyes for days and yep. mouths and essentially the, it could literally look like a, a puddle of black liquid if it wanted to yeah it, it, most most of the time it's like a round blob that has like fifty thousand eyes and yeah. a bunch of mouths it's just a real gross like time pulsing and fluctuating um yeah. yeah it's not great no but they're first encountered at the south pole which makes sense um they move at incredible speed because they can literally be like oh i need 14 legs now and they'll just have you know <laughs> They'll just millipede their way out of things. But um, it, it's funny because one of the descriptions, they say it was described like watching a train closing in on someone, like standing on train Whoa. tracks. Yeah. Um, they're just like extremely <laughs> terrible. They they will. They're not like good. a live leak video. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> it's, that, uh, it's that creepy Thomas the Tank Engine where he's got like the crab legs. Oh, God. <laughs> no. No. Oh, God, no. That's a fucking cursed video for sure. You guys will get a kick out of the next, this next part, though. So, the Shogoth can kill its enemies by enveloping them and generating enough suction force to decapitate oh, yeah. their victim. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they suck their head off. They suck them oh. so hard. <laughs> what's, that's what's, what's, which, which, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
It's the world's, yeah, the first motorized flashlight. So, oddly <laughs> enough, this suction force was actually specifically how they fought the Elder Things yep. during their rebellion. They just sucked them all off, you know They just saying? sucked them off. Um, okay. Long if story you short, do, beat them, yeah, suck them. <laughs> you suck them um, off to death. Yeah. Yeah, and it's kind of funny because apparently we we talked about how the the elder things had this really terrible stench. Yeah. Well, uh, Shogas <laughs> have a worse stench. I don't even know how to imagine the first stench. But no. Knowing there's a stench worse than that, I guess it, it, I just can't comprehend that. I'm assuming it own. smells like it's... a diaper wrapped in burnt hair shoved up a tauntaun's ass, and then it was killed and left out for four weeks. And then Does it a little smell bit like, like unclean fleshlight? Yeah. And Does it smell ha- like... Uh, the Tauntaun was holding a very yeah. dirty fleshlight. <laughs> I'm assuming it just smells like my child's diaper genie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. It's full so, of shitty diapers. <laughs> so I do want to go over... I have a couple more points, and this was actually fairly, fairly important. Yes. So, like I mentioned, uh, the, the Shogats rose up and actually rebelled at one point, and they eventually overthrew the other things and killed them and they ended up building their own cities. And their architecture actually mimics the five-pointed symmetry of the Elder Things. That is a huge point to keep in mind. Yep. If you see um, so five points... thing that we saw before with the five crowns or whatever, mm-hmm. that... So you, you would have no way of determining no if way that's determining. Elder Things or Shogoths. Yep. Now, though rare, some Shogoths have managed to like survive into the modern era... Uh, most notably in Antarctica and in the deepest parts of the world's oceans. The race of humanoid amphibious beings known as the Deep Ones are actually known to ally with the use of Shogoths, sometimes referred to as Sea Shogoths. Yep. Um, and that's in a different story completely. I wish they were here. That would be I really know. cool. But, I know. Shogoths? Um, yeah. And then, so long story <laughs> short, sh- I hate you. <laughs> actually. Um so we talked about the deep ones. We talked about the Migos. They actually conducted their own experiments on Shogoths. Um, yeah. So uh, long story short, Shogoths have been the tool of many, many different beings throughout the mythos. Um, but I hope, hopefully you now know what there is to know about them to make the rest of the story make a lot more sense. Yeah. So I wish I knew this shit while I was, like the first time I read this story, I wish I knew this stuff. I wish. Yep. So uh, with that being said, that is what I have on the other things in the show, Goth. So why don't you finish us finish out up the story? Yep. Right, finish me off. <laughs> we're almost done. We're gonna polish Mike off with our mouths. So can you TLDR where we're at with the story? Where we're at with the story? Sure. So That's essentially, right. Miskatonic University in Boston, Massachusetts, financed a an expedition through another corporation, um, the Nathaniel something Corporation sent this team of 16 people down to the tropics into the uh, the subarctic regions where they would explore some of the, at the time, some of the most unexplored regions of the world, uh, documenting anything that might have happened, as well as collecting samples for scientific research. When they got there, they started seeing polar mirages of these horrific, horrific uh plateaus as well as mountain ranges um when they went to explore these mountain ranges they discovered some biological specimens hidden away in a uh more or less a like a mountain peak or a, a cave somewhere 
This cave opened up into more cave systems to where more of these biological specimens were found. It kind of looked like they'd, they'd been there for fucking ever. They confirmed they've been there for millions of years. So giant scientific discoveries across the board. Um, now, I, I think this is a good place to essentially tell everyone that the the professors and the the academics at Miskatonic University are usually very well versed in the Necronomicon especially because Miskatonic University is the central hub for uh occult research based around the Necronomicon so when we hear things like the elder things and shogoths and sathagua and cthulhu we know that whoever's saying these things has read into the necronomicon and kind of knows about some of this stuff now when they find actual specimens radio silence no one's at the actual uh like their base in the mountains nothing we found grave sites with these biological creatures who have been buried beneath them uh we've got some polar mirages we've got some other descriptions towards something called the plateau of lang um and now we learn about this a uh amorphous blob of a servant known as shogas that were to carry out these barrel-shaped aliens wills so not only have we discovered that these barrel-shaped aliens are not plants they are in fact aliens that have been here for millions of fucking years. We are also learning that the subarctic cap used to be like the hub of all life on earth. Like this, like this was the place to be millions of years ago. And so they're, they're they're putting all this together. They find the city and it's deserted. It's strange how, how they left it. It's almost like everyone just got up and left in the middle of like a meal. Or something like something happened. Um, and now we're all caught up. We learned about the Shogas, which is a slave race for these barrel shaped creatures. Um, and essentially, we learned that the Elder Things created the Shogas for one specific purpose. What they serve multiple purposes, but the end goal was to terraform this planet to make it livable for the Elder Things. You'll notice that they tended to congregate around very, very, very sub-Arctic conditions, assumedly to replicate the vacuum conditions of space, which is where they have existed for fucking millions of years. Now they come to Earth, they've got this atmosphere around them, they've lost their powers over the over their entire stay here, they are discovered either, we can assume they are discovered dead at the polar ice caps, and we are discovering more and more evidence that there were was an intelligent race of people literally hundreds of millions of years before humans ever stepped foot on Earth. Does that sound about good? It's about where we are. I zoned out for all that. Can you go back sounds and do it great. all again? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, run it back. <laughs> one one yeah, more time. I didn't, I didn't catch the first part. So, after we learn a little bit more about these Shogoths, um, Dr. Or, uh, William Dyer starts going into what life might have been like for these elder things, what life would have been like on this primordial planet. Very fucking cold. Those things that I said earlier. We also learn that the elder things are actually responsible for guiding all life on Earth. And all life on Earth actually stems from the creation of these Shogoths. Ooh, gross. 
very gross and very weird. Um, it sounds a lot like Scientology. Oh yeah, it's oh yeah, very similar to Scientology, <laughs> very, except more, for the fact the that he wasn't of like this, of this stuff we go through. The more I'm like, Elron Hubbard was a hack. <laughs> yeah, he just he just fucking plagiarized and added a fucking paywall. That's it. That's all he did. He EA games Lovecraft. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> he said, "Man, I could make people pay for this." Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, so after this, we learn all about their different experimental settlements all across the globe. We learn that they settled in Antarctica. They, uh, well, it was actually still underwater. So these were submarine animals or creatures that made several settlements across the globe, one of which for the express purpose of imprisoning their enemies. Doug, if you were to take a guess of what that city was named, what would it be called? Oh, God. I want to say, I, I, I don't know off the you top do. of my head. Is it you, really? A- it's really. A- okay. The I only, had a feeling that it was, you know, let's keep the guy sleeping underwater. Well, not even. So when they met Cthulhu, he was not sleeping. He well, was yeah. angry, and he showed up on Earth with a star spawn, apparently. So according to uh, to all of these different academics at Miskatonic University, they all agree that the Earth was controlled by these beings way back when. And they confirm that the Elder Things, with this specific discovery, that the Elder Things were the ones that came out on top, which is why Cthulhu is sleeping in Rulia, which is why we don't see Migo anywhere, and which is why Sathagua has not been mentioned once in human history. Yet, we see things like the Snake Valley in Petra. We see allusions to a snake god in the Native American myths and religions. All of the actual Lovecraft mythos beings that won are in the mythos that's all to say to the victor goes the writings of history it also seems like a lot of the uh i don't know if i want to call it like warm-blooded yeah the vertebrates yeah so they end up kind of getting the the better end of the the they do meal ticket on this one and and that was an accident monkeys 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 (laughs) dude here we are because of mike likes monkeys Monkeys were an accident. They were an offshoot of a creation of the Elder Things that were trying to create Shogoths at the bottom of the ocean. They it used was one of Munkin. Yeah, they they failed an experiment, and they also forgot to get rid of the evidence, which apparently is what turned into the first single-celled organism that was supposed to become man. So we have the Elder Things to thank for our existence. The Elder God specifically. Uh, thanks, lie. Giant Turnip. They did. But that is the end of Chapter <laughs> the, 7. The Elder God specifically known as Horumbe. Horumbe. Uh, dicks <laughs> out. Dicks Hur- out. Horumbe. Um, chapter 8, we go into more uh, comparisons between this weird polar mirage and the Plateau of Lang. Spoilers, I did it already. Yes. Um... Dyer continues his history of the old ones. Uh, he examines more of their artwork, and he suggests basically that there's an even taller range of mountains in Antarctica, um, and they do end up finding them. Um, essentially, what he says is that uh, the artwork suggests that there is an evil mountain range in Antarctica, and uh, these contain something that even the old ones prayed to stay away more or less like they prayed to something or someone i can only assume it's azathoth right if the old ones are praying to something like or had, Yog, i don't know maybe Yog, who knows either way they're praying to something to make sure that whatever's Probably inside Jesus, i would imagine you know what you're right it is jesus <laughs> not, not real it's right there 
Um, they essentially pray to make sure whatever entity is in this taller range of mountains stays there. Um, I really like this point. The one you're at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What the fuck is this? <laughs> Why is this here? <laughs> Um, so after this, uh, we get a story of a, uh, an ice age that lasted for like 25,000 years that forced the old ones to abandon their city and form new ones beneath the network of caves, as according to the story. In the sea. And in the sea, yes. They, they, mentioned, they mentioned both, and one of those is more terrifying than the other, for reasons I will get into later. Um... When we discover that there is this existence of a sunken city below this one, um, we get just a, a shot of dread. Essentially, Dyer exclaims that he's not sure if this city is active or if, if it is meeting the same fate as the one above the surface. So we learn that these peop- these beings that lived in this city in Antarctica had gone below the surface of the Earth, and now they're living there. We don't know if they're actually still there or not. We do know that there is a passage in one of the main structures in one of the towns that they have visited. We do know that they follow that passage into the fucking bowels of the earth. Um, Gross. Oh, yeah, it's. <laughs> so essentially what is determined by walking through the beginnings of this cave is that an ice age happens. It forces all of these old ones underground, where they form a new subterranean city. Danforth and Lake or uh, Danforth and Dyer start surveying the city. Um, and they, there's more history of the old ones. Um, they descend through tunnels and they explore a bunch of caves that lead to tunnel system that leads to a sea that is beneath the city, which is beneath the Antarctic surface, which is beneath the ocean. Do you guys understand what, what, like what, like the inception levels that are happening here? There's also a really weird thing that happens where like the eight specimens of elder ones are just are gone, gone. Yeah. From the camp. That was one of the last things that they mentioned before they, uh, reveal the fact that they land and enter the city is that the eight specimens that were perfect are gone, and the six specimens that were damaged are the ones that are buried. Hmm. If you know anything about burial rites, you might identify with this story just a bit. I From what I gather. Okay, cool. The eight ones that were perfect were probably alive, and they buried the six ones that were not, and then they killed everybody who dissected them. Cool. Hmm. That's what I think. Whoops. Um, anyway, so they find these this this gate, like this tunnel system to an underground city, and they enter it, and they notice this this odor of how do you describe it? an odor of death? Like you know that stank stank. That stank stank is right there. That death stank is there. Um, but again, one of their grad students is still missing, as well as one of their sled dogs. So they're like, you know what? We're out here. We've seen evidence of you know somebody being here in the last at least week so sure we'll look um they notice a doorway which is in a pile of debris that seems like it was very recently disturbed almost like something was dragged into a tunnel violently there's a bunch of markings there's drag marks um but also what we find in this tunnel are a bunch of belongings from lake's camp 
Um, among them are like scraps of paper, which a bunch of maps of this specific city have been drawn in Lake's handwriting. Um, there's a bunch of scrawlings in a language we can't understand. So um, real quick, uh, there was one thing I didn't mention about other things. Yeah. I thought it was really, really funny Thank and you. really not necessary to <laughs> no, talk about. It's necessary. But now that you mention it, <laughs> so you said that you, they found a room. Yep. Where all the shit was just in the middle of the room. It was just in there, yeah. Like a dragon horde, almost. So elder things are known that their dwellings have a bunch of furnishings in them, but not in the way that we, as humans, have furnishings. Where we have our couches that we sit on, and then we have a TV, and all the shit. Elder things like to keep their their dwellings just filled to the brim of shit in the middle of, of the their room. dwelling. Yeah, just just in the middle. Center of the room. Whatever they can find, they just they just put it in the middle. They're just hoarding. And They're just I sticking. Do, yeah. <laughs> I truly do not know why this is a plot point of the it other is, thing. It is. It's a giant plot point. But it point. is. <laughs> and I thought it was the funniest shit I read that, and I'm like, that's stupid. And then I just kept reading, and yeah. then going over the notes today for this and like, I read that oh. I was like those dumbasses yeah like Skyrim players a hundred <laughs> cheese wheels just like right in the middle of them. yep pretty much super random but anyways no yeah that's and that's that you will see that throughout the entirety of the Lovecraft Cthulhu mythos as long as elder things are in play you're gonna see a pile of random shit in the center of a room so they see this pile of random shit in the middle of a room undisturbed and it's all from their camp Strange, right? Not really. This is a fucking city in the in the clouds at this point. That's that's formed a mirage over the like past Mount Everest level peaks. It's just, this is batshit. Um, so they find this this collection of equipment and supplies from Lake's uh, plateau camp. Um, and they also see in the same exact collection a uh a piece of paper that has scrawlings that are unmistakable with the scrawlings they have found thus far to in the necronomicon as well as uh from some of the areas they found these things it's in the same exact language which is like dots it's it's like braille more or less um found the same exact language near a map that was drawn uh near this uh, like this collection of stuff so they pick it up they follow the map um, mm. and there, the room that they discover, they find several more of these barrel-shaped entities that we now now know as elder things. Except these ones are damaged beyond fucking repair. Like they are, you can tell that they're moving. They're like, foobar. They are foobar as fuck. They they're moving. They're not frozen. They're not. They're not like in stasis. They they are still performing biological function. However, it's very fucking minimal, and even if you have no idea what these things are, you can tell that, like, the next breath that they take, or the next whatever the fuck, how they take in oxygen, however that happens, might be the last time they do it. They're in real bad shape. Um, Keep in mind, as I said before, a lot of this race is degrading. Oh, yeah. And this might be just natural process or the fact that they got brought out of stasis. Who knows? There's a lot of theories on this, actually. But However, that's not what we're going. For. The one telling sign that that was not the case for this group of elder things is the fact that they are drenched in a black slime. Now, one thing I didn't cover earlier, 
is the war between is that an oil spill. <laughs> BP was here. Uh, this is <laughs> actually sorry. This takes place around so 2004, uh, 2006 ish. Um, <laughs> but uh no so like we see these these bodies these elder things coated in this black liquid and one of the things one of the staple details from the 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 war between the shogas and the elder things as a, a anti-subjugation war more or less the, the shogas want to be free and the other things said no they had a war about it and the one thing that we can surmise from that war is when a Shogoth kills something, it is cu- it is decapitated and it is covered in black slime. It these, is not them. These elder things were missing all of their uh, the, 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 the heads of the tentacles. Their like, suckers. Their teeth are, yeah, the, the teeth their, suckers. Their suck tubes. Their suck tubes were gone. <laughs> <laughs> and they were covered in black slime. Ooh. I don't know. That... We've been talking about Shogas the whole time. We haven't seen one yet. They about to get their dicks sucked off by these fuckers. So in chapter 10, <laughs> right after we discover these bodies, uh, the team decides to start leaving because they are now like, shit, we've spent like 16 fucking hours in this place. We got to go. Uh, they start hearing something behind them. They hear something. And I actually have a recording of it. I know it's spelled differently. You fucking closed it, you goddamn clod. Shook! <laughs> Way to go, Doug. <laughs> I know exactly where it's at, though. I know you do. Uh, but no, I do I do have an actual recording of one of the things that this thing shouts while in the tunnels chasing Danforth and uh, Dyer. Um, hey, Danforth, come here. They hear it. Get in over the, here, Dyer. They, they hear it in the Is voice of one of their grad students. <laughs> Um, and it's spelled shit. How is it spelled? It's, it's Tequila it's, Lee. Tequila Lee is how it's supposed to be pronounced in human tongue. Are you guys ready to hear how it's pronounced? Actually, I Jonathan think Mike just did a perfect rendition. Of no, I guarantee he didn't. Is it pronounced Jonathan? Oh man, he did. Fuck. Oh shit. There's no point well, in playing it. No. Okay. This is what this is what the word Tequila Lee sounds like in. <sighs> Elder Shogothian? thing? Shogothian? I don't know. I, I don't know. Fucking, here's what it sounds like. You get you get that? No. It's total yep. silence. <laughs> yeah, That's totally oh, really? good. You'll, you'll yeah. hear it. In, you'll hear it post. It, <laughs> think of... I mean, I oh, shit. Mike, you've played StarCraft. You ever heard someone put a washboard... On a, a microphone and then put a fork on it. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, it sounds like it sounds like when you uh when you spawn or direct a bunch of mutilisks. It is exactly hmm. mutilisks, actually. It, that's actually where this comes from. So I am a, a very I'm an avid StarCraft fan, and um apparently to Kelly Lee is a certain native tongue for the uh, the native Antarctic people that means woe or suffering, but apparently, if you play StarCraft 2, it's not the StarCraft 1 version. StarCraft 2... So you're two, saying it's a racial slur. It probably <laughs> is a racial slur, but it's just, I just can't understand it. Could be. Um, but it's 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 just this this collection of hisses, growls, and noises that apparently this is what it means, and it means woe or suffering. It almost sounds like someone's calling out to them. Yeah. Um, 
Do you no. guys? You guys play Dead by Daylight, right? What's the What's the killer where you can mimic uh, character voices? Wendigo. The Wendigo. Yes, Wendigo is a good fucking. That, actually, that's perfect. This should start reminding you of a Wendigo, because Wendigo. They start exploring. And they hear this cry out that sounds like a human tongue. And they hear the same human tongue say Tekalili, but in this weird Shogathian dialect. Tekalili? But it's got, it has a human voice to it. So Danforth and Dyer continue forward. Um, they keep going, they keep going. And eventually, they reach almost like a precipice where... I mean, they find a collection of artifacts at some point, but they hear this Tekali Lee happen. I, I don't want to say it's a voice because, like, it, you guys just heard it. That's not that's not words, but they hear this happen behind them. And in the in the novella, it says that Danforth takes his flashlight, which apparently 1920 or 1930 flashlights were just invented. So this was like they were talking about electric torches and how like they were the new cool thing. Like, it, it was actually really fun to read. I'm like, wow, you old. Um, but so they take a flashlight and they point it backwards to see what they're running from. And they see something they say has too many eyes, but also no form. What does it sound like? Mike, what is it? Mike or Matt? Either one of you. What does it sound like? Too many eyes, but no form. Yeah. Um, big blob of eyes. With no form. Uh-huh. This is how I know y'all aren't paying attention. It sounds mm. like a potato with too many <laughs> eyes. Wow, they haven't heard a single word we said, have they? No, I don't think so. <laughs> it sounds like uh, the big poopy that I was talking about. Before. It's it's a shogoth. It's a it's a fucking shogoth. So the thing that we've been saying over and over yeah, again, yeah, the big poopy. Minutes. It's formless. It's got yeah, bunches of eyes, but apparently, so this thing is a thing of legend, as according to Danforth and this man Dyer. They are now realizing as they look behind them that one of these fucking things is actually chasing them through an ancient Antarctic city trying to kill them. Does it Hell have the yeah. millipede legs? It doesn't have any legs because it is a they formless blob. It form. God, Mike. With millions of eyes. <laughs> Thank you, man. If anything, God. it's just like fucking scooting. It's ass scooting across the fucking land. And so this is the very beginning. We're now in chapter 11, by the way. I haven't been going over where we are. Uh, we're almost the very end of this. They almost. see this. They see this Shogoth chasing them. They fucking run like hell. As they run, they see this thing gaining, gaining, gaining. Um, and even after Danforth actually says he sees the massless blob, Dyer actually still thinks that one of these like hurt elder things is chasing them. Until Danforth actually like stops him to show him, and they it, like. As that happens, it speeds up and they fucking take off again. Um, they they run past a bunch of panicking giant penguins, which I'm not really yeah. sure why that was mentioned. They know. spent like 20 <laughs> minutes on that. Yeah, literally. But none of it mattered. So like, like the penguins, man. <laughs> yeah, right. Penguin, no. I don't know why. No, that was penguin, there. no. It's like the root thing. It's another thing. Batman reference. Ruby, Ruby, no. As they reach the. The, the tunnel that gets them out of this underground portion, they look back again and they notice that nothing is there. It's almost like nothing has been chasing them. Uh, they continue sprinting right back to the plane. Fear begins to just take them over. Now, way back in chapter four, I think, is when they started going over their trip 
to uh, Lake's camp, right? Do you guys remember when Lake went down for the first time and we yes. heard about it? Mm-hmm. Is that this, uh, is that the when he when he lied to us about it being his first yes. time going? This yeah. trip is the same exact trip. The trip did not take them a couple hours. The trip took them about thirty four hours so because he lied again. He lied again, and now they are bringing this information back with them. They know exactly what has happened to their entire team. Danforth is freaking out because of the A, the fact that a massless blob with a million eyes just chased them and almost killed them, but also he's hearing shit. Danforth is hearing shit. Dyer is hearing shit. They've, according to Dyer, they both have been threatened to be institutionalized. And this can only tell me that one thing has happened. Do you guys remember our episode on Azathoth? You remember the awakening to Azathoth? That piece of knowledge you need to know of his existence, and once you do, you start you going go mad. Bad shit. I think this is yet another piece of the mythos coming to fruition. I think there's another deity here at play. I just don't think he's named. And I think it's Azathoth. However, mm-hmm. they don't that have much of a memory. So the, right, explain the penguins. That That's makes so much sense. <laughs> um, so Danforth and Dyer, they don't remember their trip back at all. They almost remember parts of this story as they're coming into it. And we now learn at the very, very last chapter that one thing that was heard near the taller section of Mountains of Madness, we hear that whispers were heard by both Dyer and Danforth. Um of something called the original or the eternal or the undying the OG, the OG. <laughs> um, at the time the all Oog. all that Danforth could do was yell something Doug I think you have to cue it up again I don't know how to pronounce it I, ju- I just I just fucking <laughs> I don't I'm not going to do that that's fine it's the it's the it's the tickly Lee sound it's that the screaming uh, inhuman sound and it comes out of Danforth's mouth. And that is the one of the last things we hear about this after Dyer concludes his message to future expeditions to Antarctica. And that, my guys, is the entirety of the Mountains of Madness. It's pretty mm. mad. It's pretty crazy. I will, I will say Madness there is fuck, a yep. it's a great almost time loop kind of story. It um, starts it's where super it be, dope. It starts where it ends. It's so fucking good. Um yeah, it, it read the whole thing if you can. It's a it's a short read for you know people who are avid readers. Um, however, there's a great retelling of what this. What if I read it a third grade? Yes, level? you um, went to plug uh, H.P. Lovecraft <laughs> Historical Society. Well, no, it, there's there's a good retelling that I like that's called In the Mountains of Madness. Oh yeah, gotcha. Um, it's yeah. a movie. It's yeah. fucking awesome. It's it's one of my top ten movies for sure. It's fucking great. Guillermo um, del Toro is currently working on a TV series to adapt this, apparently. And sorry, I, I meant to say in the mouth of madness, in not the in the mountains of madness, yeah. but it's very you similar. Dumb bitch, get it right. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Mike Neal. Um, but yeah, uh, it's got the, uh, the, I forgot his fucking name, um, the guy from uh, Jurassic Park. Um, Sam Neill? Yeah, Sam Neill, thank you. Yeah. Oh so, yeah, he great. screams Lovecraft. He was in fucking the Digging Up the Marrow. 
Yeah, you ever yeah, watch yeah, that? Yeah, yeah I have. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about yeah. that. If you guys haven't watched Digging Up the Marrow, watch it. It's weird, it's but he was fun found footage movie. Um, he was also yeah. in Daybreakers. Exactly. He yes, he was. He was a he was a vampy. Um, he actually <laughs> he does a lot more like horror than I thought. All right, we're getting into fucking dad territory. But, yeah, this um, is dad territory for sure. Uh, but yeah, so uh, yeah, that's guys. This is this is such a staple in in a Lovecraftian horror, but also the Cthulhu mythos, just because this, this story by itself very pertinent. Holy shit! There is so much. Di- this is the story that you're gonna find all of the information, and from here on out, Lovecraft goes hmm, less information. I think. I think. More talking, yeah. less, less describing. Yes. So this is this is like his uh his penultimate story. It's to me anyway. It's one of the best ones written. It also offers the most to the mythos. It's also just fucking downright terrifying. Yeah, it's I mean, just it not okay. Make, I think it would make a very fun mini series. Hell yeah! Of just build up, build up, build up. Yep. And the last episode is just the most insane bat fuckery ever. Well, I think I hope with that's what Guillermo del Toro does. Yeah. With penguins. There needs to be giant penguins, otherwise. This I, does I, remind I, me so count. I, I mentioned the movie. I'm gonna just touch on this movie ever yeah. so slightly, but I yeah, mentioned yeah. um Batman the Doom that came to Gotham a while oh, ago. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They they the do, Batman. Yeah, they do a the the beginning is basically a trip into the mount the mountains of madness. Nice with, with the penguin. That, um, oh my god, that's mm. fucking perfect. <laughs> yep, and they find uh, Mr. Freeze comes out from there. Obviously, and he's kind yeah. of uh, he goes insane. He's kind of like um, this version of uh, of Lake of Lake. Yeah, um, and Shit, uh, right. they, yeah, and they speaking of you know like like you mentioned that one I forgot his name already. The one guy that's half frog, half bat. Sethagua. Sethagua. There you go. Yep, uh, and I believe they do find Shogoths in that as well because they oh, fight yeah. off these these little. So, uh, sociopod or whatever yep. creatures in the, Damn, in, the that ice, in that movie. That so it's a very sense. fun movie. It's very weird. <laughs> so but they just very went fucking fun. Lovecraft, but Batman. <laughs> yeah, it's Bat- very. Batman. It's Bat- very Batman. off the. Yeah, it's, it's either that or Love Man. Cuff, I don't. Love Man. It's that one. <laughs> Which one of these two is you love? I downloaded the wrong story. <laughs> or is it theludipod.com? Or, I mean, Deludy.com. Damn it, I fucked it up. Damn it! Take us out of here, Mike. Deludy.com will redirect you to Deludy.com. That's true. That's true. Deludy.com, the place where you... Patreon.com slash (laughs) Deludy.com. Deludy.com, you can become a member there. It's our website. You can find all of our links to everything. All of our socials are on there as well. Um, You can find Twitter... Yeah, Twitter, we're <laughs> if you want. at DeludyPod. Instagram, we're DeludyPod. On Facebook, we're Don't Look Into the Internet. Uh, we're all over the damn place. Uh, we're getting our MySpace going. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There is yeah, a MySpace. MySpace. Won't actually, let me upload anything to I it. Saw. It's very I saw. Like, I, I actually haven't checked that out yet. It says that... I tried it as well. Says, it, it wouldn't yeah. let you. It says image it, uploads are temporarily disabled when you yeah. try to upload I wonder if they're... Are they going down, like... Yeah, they, they may new, have new just like set the website read only or something. All know. right, so Diluti, oh, Bebo, and Zanga account. Let's get this going. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you can check out our live journal. Yeah, um, there you go. Um, our Neopets. Yeah, Diluti Neopet. Um, <laughs> you can if you go to diluti.com, you can become a member on there. It's got all of our merch on there as well. So if you become a member, you get member only exclusive items, and you also get a ten percent discount off of the merch. Um, you can. 
Again, find us on all the socials. Uh, you can send us some fun things. There is a fan box. If you find, go to our Discord. There is a fan box sub in the Discord where uh, basically a bunch of you listeners are gathering a bunch of weird shit to send us in a box, and we're gonna unbox it. Um, it's if you want to send us things, we've been getting some messages about people wanting to. Uh, Send us some shit, some old yeah, photographs. If you want to send us things, other... then fucking send us stuff to the P.O. box. You can Hell send yeah. us stuff to the P.O. box. The P.O. box is in the description. Where's Megamind? Where's my Megamind? Megamind. Yeah, I ended up I having to Megamind. buy us a Megamind DVD that I found in the wild. <laughs> this is bullshit. People send me Megamind DVDs. Fucking hell. I will put them on the back shelf. Um, let's see. You could go to our uh, Google phone number and you can leave us a voicemail. If you do, we'll play it at the end of the episode. You could text us. And if you do, we respond. That phone number is 630-909-9366. One more time. 630-909-9366. You can go to our Gmail. Our Gmail is uh, diludipod at gmail.com. We are coming up on spooky season. <gasps> hometown yes. Is Hometown Horrors coming? Oh, I mentioned it before. So here are the, the rules. <laughs> for those of you who are new, for those of you who are new, Hometown Horrors, um, we want you to email us email us uh, <laughs> your spooky personal stories that have happened to you. Um, and we will either read them on the show, or if they are super spooky, we will ask if you want to come on and read them on the show. Only send them to the Gmail. If you yes. try to send it through like a text or a voicemail, we will, we will not put it on the show. We nope. need it through the Gmail to make everything easy and uh, easily it's easier for us for to us. tell the story if we can read it. Because yeah, half place. the time the voicemails fucking they try to fucking it just cuts they a try bunch of words out. Yeah, yeah. So, so please just write coherently. It's just what a story pod, you have. Salami lettuce hot dog mayo. Deluti pod yeah. at gmail. <laughs> Del- <laughs> Yeah, that's just my order at Subway. <laughs> it gets yeah, the I, numbers in the fucking internet voicemails wrong, way wrong. Oh, oh so wrong. Super very annoying. wrong. Very annoying. Um, but yep. for the hometown horrors, deludipod at gmail.com. Make yeah. the subject hometown horrors dash your name. That way we can find everything very easy. Put like 2023 Only... in there too or something. Well, we'll know by the date. No, Check we the... won't. That's Will stupid. we? Will we, Mike? <laughs> Just um, everything you can do to make it yes. easier for us to see it. <laughs> Pretend we're, we're at the fucking email. imbeciles. Like just made, just know that. Delutipod at gmail.com. Subject line hometown horrors dash your name. Please and thank you. We would appreciate it. Um other than that, I got a big ass tooth to shove up your ass. <laughs> whenever you're willing. Um consent does, is important. Do you have anything for the people? Yeah. Uh I mean you know me and Jason love our 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 Cthulhu mythos shit. Yeah. Um, so if you're gonna if you're gonna do anything tonight, slap your peen against a good fiction of Mister Lovecraft and really really dive that peen and your bean into it um, and appreciate the writing <laughs> that is uh, Lovecraft because goddamn is it good? It's uh, wordy. It's, it's wordy. It's hard. It's hard to read. But once but you get into good. a rhythm. Yeah, you're fucking. If you can get into a mindset, throw on some spooky music. That's what I do. I throw on literally. Uh, there's a, a a band called Musica Cthulhuania that's like perfect <laughs> for reading Lovecraft fiction. Mm. Throw that on. Get in the Sounds mood. Sounds like they're gonna be playing like fucking like uh like a what's that thing that fucking weird owl plays? Oh, polka. Yeah, he's gonna be playing polka. Polka, Lovecraft, like polka. Lovecraft yeah. music. <laughs> 
It's Cthulhu, but with an accordion. Yes, accordion. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I was looking for. No, yeah, music Cthulhu. I mean, it's it's just like it's this ambient, creepy, but also like nineteen twenties jazz. It's just it's super good. So if you guys want to le- read some Lovecraft while getting in the mood for it, Musica Cthulhuania. That's your fucking go to. Also, yeah. stay fucking paranoid. Oh, uh, no, oh and uh, Spotify. I forgot about the Spotify. Go also, Spotify. stay fucking Spotify. Spotify, leave us a review on there and yeah, you can comment on episodes. five stars, please, and thank you. That'd be cool. Five yeah, stars get us dope. out of this four point seven bullshit. Get us up <laughs> and uh, Apple Podcasts five stars as well. It'd be super cool. I Hell appreciate yeah. you. And I love you. Also, thumbs up our shit and subscribe to our YouTube. YouTube.com slash at Um Keep that up. Moot, mm-hmm. what do you got? Uh. Whopper, 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 whopper. <laughs> Junior <laughs> double, triple whopper. <laughs> Flame broiled taste with perfect toppers. I rule this day. That's BK, have it your way. Oh, yeah? Damn. Well, I need a double cheeseburger. Just hold the lettuce. Don't front me with some. I'm, really, I'm, I'm happy that Morgan Cleveland could take us out. Is there anything else that anyone needs to say? I think there's at least Bye. one more thing. Bye. Yeah, I mean, you guy, your Welcome back to Inner Night. We're thrilled to have you here once again. To start the night, let's repeat after me. I am a channel of cosmic energy. The universe guides me towards my destined path. I radiate love and positivity to all beings. Now, we have a message in a bottle from another member of Inner Night. Astro says, follow the voice. Don't be afraid. Reach for the shadowed hands. The moons will protect you. Hopefully, they make your group more welcoming. Your lucky numbers for this week are 116, 104, 101, 32, 111, 117, 116, 115, 105, 100, 101, 114, 32, 98, 114, 111, 117, 103, 104, 116, 32, 99, 104, 97, 105, 110, 115, 32, 116, 111, 32, 116, 104, 101, 32, 115, 107, 121. For this week, we encourage you to practice gratitude by acknowledging the blessings in your life. Gratitude amplifies our connection to the universe and opens doors to torture for our enemies. Don't forget to leave a message of inspiration for another member. Good night.